You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Giants fans. You are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine, producer, editor, lead blogger, whatever you want to call me, of BigBlueView.com. Thank you for joining me today on what is my initial solo podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. Many of you know that uh, for the last several months, I've been co-hosting Locked On Giants with Patricia Trena. Just wanted to thank Patricia, you know, for all of the time and effort that, that we put into that show and into Big Blue Chat, the show that we did prior to, uh, to joining the Locked On Podcast Network. Also wanted to thank the folks at Locked On, you know, for the opportunity they gave to Patty and I. Hopefully, in addition to listening to this show, folks will continue to listen to Locked On Giants, where Patty is uh, is carrying the flag for that show and continuing there uh, as a solo host for the time being. Uh, anyway, folks, what will you find here on Valentine's Views at Big Blue View Radio? The uh, first thing you're going to find, of course, is uh, is my opinion, my analysis on all things going on with the Giants. Uh, the second thing you're going to find is as many interviews uh, with uh, with interesting guests, as many uh, interviews, guest appearances as I can arrange. You know, talk about uh, the Giants, talk about the NFL, talk about the draft. You know, talk about anything, uh, anything that, that we can uh, that we can talk about that might be of interest. We'll be doing crossover shows with you know podcasters uh, from rival teams. We have one set up later this week. We'll be talking to uh, to a host from Better Rivals, which is the uh, San Francisco 49ers podcast here on SB Nation Radio. Uh, family of podcasts so hopefully you'll look forward to that we will also you know hopefully be using some clips uh, of, of interviews out of the locker room and we will keep you up to date on news and, and anything else that's going on with your New York Giants today uh, we will have an interview with Bob Glauber who is the national football columnist for Newsday a role that Bob has had for uh, for perhaps close to 30 years or so. We'll be talking Giants. We'll be talking 
about uh, about Bob's new book that he has coming out in the next few weeks. We will also have some thoughts on the Giants as the as the bye week concludes and we enter the the second half of what's been a disappointing season, of course, at one in seven. But first, um, I have to uh, I have to get up on my soapbox for a couple of minutes here and talk about something that's come up quite a bit in the comments at Big Blue View, and it came up again on Saturday in the uh, weekly Big Blue View mailbag that we do, um, for which, by the way, I really do appreciate your questions, which you can send to me on Twitter, at Big Blue View, using the hashtag BBV mailbag, or you can send to BigBlueView at gmail.com if you want to email them. Uh, but anyway, the thing that came up is the subject of tanking. With the Giants at 1-7, and seven, you know, obviously right now, if if the draft were held today, uh, I believe the Giants would have the number one overall pick. There are fans out there who would prefer to see the Giants go 0-8 the rest of the season to assure that they get that number one pick. You know, my, my view on that is simply this. I cannot fathom rooting for your team to lose on a weekly basis. I cannot fathom sitting in front of the television, watching your team, and hoping that it doesn't succeed. I do not in any way, shape, or form endorse or believe in the idea of tanking. You know, players are professionals. They go out there to give their best effort to try to win. If they're not doing that, they don't belong on the team. They don't belong in a locker room. They should not be getting a paycheck from a professional sports franchise. If you're watching your team play, I honestly don't know how you call yourself a fan if you are not rooting for your team to succeed. There's really nothing to be gained as a player, nothing to be learned from losing. You want players to learn how to win. You want them to experience success. You want them to see that hard work, doing things the right way, preparing the right way will lead to success. There are young players on the Giants roster who who can and should be part of their future. You do not want them to become accustomed to losing, to accept it, to think that it's normal, to think that it's okay. So you want them to experience some winning. You would like to see some progress the second half of the season. At least I would. I would think any fan who who really, uh, you know, who really you know understands. You know, would hope that we see some progress the rest of the way uh, as the Giants complete you know, the, the final eight games of the season. No matter what happens at this point, they're going to have a high draft pick. And my stance is this. Look, whether it's the first pick, whether it's the ninth pick, the tenth pick, whatever it is, it's what you do with the pick. It's do you make the right choice at the time when your pick comes up? It's not which pick you have. I think I wrote at Big Blue View on Saturday that if you have the first pick, you have the first of 32 chances to make a first-round mistake. So 
you know, yes, I get the idea that you have more players to choose from, and you have the player that maybe everybody considers the number one player in the draft, but that number one player, that supposed number one player in the draft doesn't always work out that way. So having that number one pick doesn't necessarily guarantee that you get the best player. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that you get a great player. It might not even guarantee that you get a good player. It guarantees you nothing except the first choice. So I I don't understand the idea of th- that some fans have that losing on purpose is a good thing. Um, I, I don't buy it. I don't understand it. Um, anyway, I know some of you out there disagree with me on that, but I I just can't fathom... You know, why you would actually want your team to lose game after game after game, you know, to root for them to fail. I, I, plain and simple, I don't get it. Anyway, Giants fans, let me jump off my soapbox for a minute here and let me bring in our guest for today. That would be Bob Glauber. And what we have here for you is a pre-recorded interview that I did with Bob that uh, that I'll play for you now. And uh, I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed uh, getting together with Bob and, and doing this for you. Okay, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Bob Glauber, longtime national NFL columnist for Newsday. Bob, thanks for uh, joining the show today. My pleasure, Ed. That long time, that long time columnist. Does that mean like the old guy? It's well, okay. I don't know. We're both old guys, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Good, so good, you know, good to so be here. It, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, I asked Bob. I asked you to come on today. You know, of course, to talk Giants, and also because uh, you have a new book coming out uh, this month called Guts and Genius. Story of uh, three highly successful NFL coaches, uh, Bill Parcells, Bill Walsh, and Joe Gibbs. And why don't we start there? Why don't we talk about your, your inspiration for that book and, and what people will find if they, if they pick it up as part of their holiday shopping? Well, and part of the inspiration was just living through it as a journalist and covering um, those three coaches who had some legendary games between them, and then they collectively dominated that decade, which I think, you know, if, unless you had seen it, you, you don't kind of know it, but that, that was some of the best football I think we've ever seen. You know, you could keep teams together back then. You could build teams, and you could coach them up, and you knew what you got from year to year. And those were some unbelievable rivalries between the Giants and the Redskins, the Giants and the 49ers. Even, even the Redskins and the 49ers had some some real set twos back in the day. And I think it was some of the most formative um, football that we've ever seen. And you know what? Today, all 32 current NFL head coaches have roots back to either Parcells or Bill Walsh. Their coaching trees cover all 32 of today's coaches. And I, I just think it, their impact on the game, plus Gibbs just being maybe arguably the greatest game day coach ever, um, I, I just found it a fascinating topic, and I 
I truly enjoyed researching it, talking to people, Gibbs and Parcells, and talking to people about Bill Walsh, and it was, it was really a labor of love. Just amazing to me that those two guys, you know, this far out from, you know, from when they coached in the league, that they still have, you know, such an impact that, they're, that they're, their fingerprints are still all over the NFL. Ed, it's incredible, and I I didn't believe it until I saw it and and charted those trees, and you know it's direct or indirect with those guys. Now with Walsh, he was a little older, and and you know it's all indirect um, coaching. But you know you have Walsh who had you know Mike Holmgren, who had Andy Reid, um, and now Andy Reid has a bunch of great coaches, and you know I think 17 of the last 18 Super Bowls, 17 of the last 18 have been won by Parcells or Walsh disciples, and it's they, their fingerprints really are on this league. The West Coast offense, so many teams, well over half the teams in the league are running that. And Parcells, you know, having you know brought up Bill Belichick in this league, and Belichick, uh, you know, winning five Super Bowls, and um, Mike Zimmer is part of that tree. Nick Saban is part of that tree, and it just the connections are incredible. And I think the lessons that those two coaches, in particular, imparted on the people who work for them are still felt today in 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 an absolutely huge way. I think you're right, Bob. Let's uh, let let's do this. Let's uh, tell folks a little bit. When is the book actually going to be available? Uh, you know, for uh, you know, for sale on on store shelves online. Uh, when are they actually going to be able to get it? Well, the publishing date uh, it is November twentieth, and you can pre-order it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and and all the Walmart, all the all the regular outlets that you'd pre-order a book. So it does publish on November twentieth. So kind of a holiday gift type of uh, timing for the release of it. So I, I mean, listen, I. I'm not going to put my name on something unless I'm really into it. And I was totally into this project. And uh, uh, again, like I said, labor of love. Well, good. I've got a, I've got a, a an advanced copy, and I, I'm going to recommend that to uh, to people for the NFL fan in your family. Um, listen, Bob. We we also have to, unfortunately, <laughs> we have to talk about uh, about the New York Giants. Uh, you know, I've been watching the Giants since I was a little kid. I remember the, uh, you know, what fans call the wilderness days, you know, of the Giants. Uh, but what I have to ask you is, you know, what we've seen the last couple of years, the last few years from the Giants, is this as bad as it's ever been for the Giants, you know, in your memory or at least as long as you've been covering this team? Yes, I would say as long as I've been covering the team. Now, I started in 85, so I actually came at a, had a quite good time in Giants history. That was really when they had turned the corner, um, you know, uh, after the, the, the lost years of the 70s, and George Young provides some stability in the front office, and Parcells about to win the first of two Super Bowls. So, yeah, I think for a prolonged period of time, it's, it's as bad as it's been in quite some time. Now, those 70s, that was a decade of absolute frustration. Um, I don't know if it's quite that bad yet, but you, know, you put another couple of seasons on top of what we've seen the last couple of years, then then you you know it, you could very well see it get to that point. This is a team in transition, and it's a really a team in trouble because you know their quarterback situation is going to dominate what this team does moving forward. 
Um, they had a chance to get a quarterback in this last year's draft. I thought it was a good draft. I thought it was the time to get one. It doesn't mean Saquon Barkley is a bad player. He's a terrific player. He's a potential Hall of Fame player. But you see games that he's produced. He played as well as any running back could possibly perform against the Eagles, and the Giants still got crushed. So, you know, the key is to get a quarterback, and they're quite a ways off from, you know, having one and, and having a functional one to go into a season and, and you know, go in as a, as a winning-type team and as a playoff team. And, you know, they're still light years away from winning that next Super Bowl. You know, this for me, this is such the, such a hard thing because I was on the Sam Darnold, you know, train when the, when the draft came along. The Giants obviously chose to go with Barkley. And it's incredibly difficult to look at a player as wonderful as Saquon Barkley is and to still say he was probably the wrong choice for this franchise. You just don't have, you know, your choice of potential franchise quarterbacks, which is the most important position, you know, staring you in the face that often. And, and, and it's just, it, it's hard to say it was a mistake, but unless they solve it soon um, and they find that franchise quarterback, th- then people are always going to argue that it was a mistake. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ed. And there's kind of a, not kind of, there is a disconnect between Barkley the player and the Giants situation. And again, he's, he's, to me, he's the right player for the wrong team. And he's terrific. You cannot argue against his talent. He makes plays that you know only special running backs make, both in the running game and the passing game. But you know, unless you have that quarterback, unless you have the offensive line, which has been atrocious, then you're going to be stuck in, in neutral, or even worse, you're going to be going in reverse. Um, at, at one and seven, it's about as bad as it can get. But it can still get worse. You know, two and 14 seasons, which – this kind of has the makings of, they're crushing. And every single week gets worse and worse and worse. You get through it, but, man, it's just painful going through that if you're a fan. And Ed, as, as hard it is, as it is as you know, being a, a lifelong Giants fan for you or other Giants fans, think how the Jets felt, the Jets fans felt, watching the Giants build four Super Bowl championship teams you know, before the Jets have won their second one. And it's been 50 years since they won that only Super Bowl. So it's, um, you know, well, welcome to the Jets' misery a little bit. Settle in. It's going to last it, a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell Giants fans, as bad as it is, there's a lot of fan bases out there that would still, you know, trade places because the Giants do have those four Super Bowl rings. Yeah. Oh, I'd trade places. If I were a fan, I would definitely trade places. I'd sign up for that in a heartbeat. You go through some misery now. <laughs> But you know you have those four Lombardi trophies. Um, that's that, that that's pretty good, and that doesn't go away. Bob, I know your time is limited. Let me hit you with two more questions. You know before we before we wrap it up here, we talked a little bit about Eli Manning, and, and I think we know that that the clock is ticking. You know, I wrote the other day that whether he plays some more games or not, and he's obviously going to continue to play for a while, especially with the. Uh, the, the wonderful news about Kyle Lalletta this week, um, you know, it's just, that that's just 
another one of those things that happens to bad franchises that are that are going the wrong way on the train tracks, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, where are you on Eli Manning? And, and and I'm not talking about you know whether he should continue to play, whether he can still be a quarter a good quarterback. Where are you on the Eli Manning's career, and is he a Hall of Fame kind of player? And, and where does he belong? You know, when, when you you know when you rank you know the best quarterbacks. Well, let's start from the inside out. Ed. And the inside, he's the greatest Giants quarterback that ever lived. I think that's that's a given. You know, Charlie Connolly, Phil Simms, Wyatt Tittle, Fran Tarkenton, um, Jeff Hossettler won a Super Bowl. But you know, I think Eli Manning. You would safe you're safely assume that he's the greatest quarter quarterback in Giants history he'll be in that ring of honor the year after he retires whenever that is I am in favor of him being in the Hall of Fame I think his numbers match up to the great quarterbacks of all time Um, his numbers are comparable in many respects to Elway Marino Montana um, the quarterbacks of his day now Breeze Brady and Rodgers are a cut above you know I'm not going to argue that but he is in line with Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers, his 2004 draft contemporaries. So I think his numbers do stack up well. I will acknowledge that there are some, I wouldn't say lost years in there, but just you know, down years and years that are not becoming of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And I think that's going to be an argument in the Hall of Fame discussion room when Eli Manning comes up five years after his last NFL game. And I think there's going to be some honest debate. I think there's going to be a lot of debate, and I don't know that there's going to be a consensus early on. I think as time goes on, his accomplishments will probably be viewed in a better light, but I don't think you can argue against two Super Bowl championships and the Super Bowl MVP on each one and the compilation of stats that he has accrued over you know, 15 mostly good years. Last question for you, and you mentioned George Young earlier. Uh, I have been on the George Young should be in the Hall of Fame bandwagon, you know, for years. Every time that every time you know the Hall of Fame voting comes up, I wonder why he isn't in the Hall of Fame. And you know, when you look at it, I guess that's the question: is why does he not get any attention and any real buzz as a Hall of Famer? Ed. I wish I knew because I totally agree with you that George Young deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There's no question. Now, when they went to the contributor category a few years ago, I thought it was an important step where a person like George Young or a great general manager or a team owner wouldn't knock out a player from getting in. So it's a separate category, contributor category. Sometimes some years they have two that get in some years have one. Bill Polian and Ron Wolf, two great general managers, got in the first time that they introduced the uh, separate contributors category. Totally deserving. Not going to argue against them. But what George Young did, <laughs> we talked about the lost years of the 70s. What George Young did to bring that franchise back into a championship mode was incredible. I think part of it is that people give Parcells most of the credit for it, but I don't see how you can do that. I, uh, listen, I think the world of Parcells, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Having written a book about him, I got to know him a lot better and 
a lot about him better. But, I mean, George Young gave the Giants Phil Simms, Lawrence Taylor, Leonard Marshall, Carl Banks, Terry Kennard, Joe Morris. Uh, the list goes on. And he built two Super Bowl championship rosters. They won two Super Bowls with two different quarterbacks. And Bill Parcells did not want Jeff Hostetler on that roster. And George Young did. And that decision proved pretty valuable down the road in 1990. So there's no question in my mind that George Young deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I can't for the life of me figure out why it hasn't happened. I expect that it will at some point. Hopefully not five more years of this. He just deserves to be in. Next year, the year after, or the year after that, whenever his time comes, but it, his time should come, and I hope it will. We just have to storm the committee room and demand it, Bob. There you go, Ed. I, <laughs> I, let's do it. We'll storm right. the gates. <laughs> Here we go. Hey, Bob, I appreciate your taking a few minutes. Uh, so, folks, uh, you know, make sure you get out and, and buy the book, Guts and Genius, you know, for the NFL fan and your family. Uh, Bob, why don't you tell folks where they can uh, where they can find your work, where they can uh, touch base with you on Twitter, and, and all that good stuff. Well, thanks, Ed. Uh, my Twitter is at Bob Glauber, B-O-B-G-L-A-U-B-E-R. You can pre-order the book on Amazon, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, whatever other sites there are, and it comes out November 20th. It'll, it'll hit bookstores, and just to even be saying that, Ed, kind of gives me goosebumps, so it's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, and I hope I hope people who do read it find it enjoyable. I certainly found it fascinating reporting it all these years later. Those guys were three of the legends of the sidelines of pro football, and I think they presided over three teams that dominated maybe the greatest decade of football that we've ever seen. Hey, thanks for coming on, Bob. We appreciate it. We hope the book sales go well, and uh, I'll see you soon out there at uh, out there at the Quest. Well, thanks very much for having me, Ed. I really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you. All right, take care. All right. All right, Giants fans, our thanks to Bob Glauber, you know, for spending some time with us today, uh, you know, for, for, uh, for being our first guest here on Valentine's Views on Big Blue View Radio. Uh, please remember to go out, you know, if you have a football fan in your family or if you want the book for yourself, go out and buy Guts and Genius I'm in the process of reading it right now. Really, really fascinating reading about Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells, and Joe Gibbs about how they came, you know, to to be in the positions that they were in and how they learned their craft and the impact that they had on the NFL and that in in many ways continue to have on the NFL. So it, it it's a book that's uh, that's worth your time and worth uh, worth giving a read to. Let's do this, Giants fans. Let's talk about the uh, the second half of what is obviously another very disappointing season for the New York Giants. I talked at the top of the show about the idea of tanking and about my disapproval for. Uh, you know, for for that particular philosophy, um, let's talk about some expectations for the second half of the season. You know, one of the things that that you hope, if you if you're looking for reasons to watch, reasons to be interested, obviously, you know, first and foremost would be Saquon Barkley. 
you have a situation where Barkley is in a position to potentially become only the third player in NFL history to gain both a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving in the same season. The amazing, truly amazing thing about that is first and foremost that the Giants can't run block. And secondly, that they really have yet to figure out how to use Barkley as a weapon in the passing game. So much of his yardage as a runner has come on his own. And and so much of his yardage as a pass receiver has come on simple dump offs and check downs, you know, rather than aggressive situations where they've gotten him into pass routes that were designed, you know, to maximize his ability as a route runner and as a wide receiver. I'm just going to be fascinated to see not only the yardage totals for Barkley, but to see if the Giants are able to, as we go forward, figure out better and more imaginative ways you know to use him in the passing game obviously also you know as we look forward to 2019 you want to know which players are going to be the core of your roster that is something we've been talking about a lot at big blue view we have a post that that ran on sunday you know where we uh, we asked each of our contributors you know, to identify their building block players for 2019. And to be honest, that is part of what you are trying to establish over the next eight games. You're trying to find out which guys are all in, which guys can be part of your future, which guys you might want to move on from, and how well guys play, how hard they play, how professional they are over the final eight games will tell you a lot about whether guys are part of the solution or whether they are guys who need to be replaced going forward. You know, I'm looking forward to to watching the development of of Will Hernandez, to watching the development of BJ Hill, to seeing if the Giants get uh, RJ McIntosh, the 5th round pick who hasn't played you know, because of illness to see if he's able to play some this year and see if uh, if he's able to show a little bit of potential, you know, between now and the end of the season. I'm looking forward to, to seeing if, if guys like Grant Haley, you know, could be part of the answer in the secondary going forward. A guy like Quadri Henderson, who's shown, you know, such, you know, who's shown such potential so far as a return guy, you know, the, the possibility that the the revolving door at kick returner could be, uh, you know, could be coming closed finally as Henderson grabs that job. What will Corey Coleman, you know, picked up after bouncing around, you know, for the last few months, former number one pick of, of the Cleveland Browns, what will he bring to the offense? Could he possibly be the third wide receiver that the Giants have been searching for? Will Jamone Brown picked up on waivers from the Rams, you know, show over the final few games of the season that he could be one of the answers as the Giants look to to fix that offensive line where really uh, center, you know, right guard and right tackle are positions where, you know, I have no idea who's going to be in those roles in 2019 I think regardless of what you think of Nate Solder he's going to be your left tackle next year I'm pretty certain of that and of course Will Hernandez will be your left guard so you have two-fifths of the equation there 
The rest of it is to be determined. I'm really anxious to see if Brown, you know, a guy most people consider to be a starting caliber player in the league, you know, one that that folks around the Rams were were surprised to see them let go. Um, I'm anxious to see if he can be, you know, part of the solution going forward. And that's what you're looking for, Giants fans, is just identify players who can be part of the future. And also, of course, we have the quarterback situation. You know, considering Kyle Lalletta's arrest on Tuesday, what will happen there? I'm certain that that the the plan for the Giants was at some point, maybe not in Week Ten, but at some point, to get Kyle Lalletta some snaps because at some point, you have to begin to move away from Eli Manning. You have to begin to identify. You, what you have for the future, what you need to do at the quarterback position, and the the obvious first move there would be to get Kyle Lalletta on the field. But it will be interesting to see if his arrest, you know, last Tuesday, you know, for an incident while driving to the facility, you know, will change that plan. How it will impact that, you know, what disciplinary measures will be taken against Lalletta. I would think that, you know, everything being equal, I would think the Giants would still like to get Loletta on the field at some point. We will just have to see, you know, how all of that plays out because the Giants, you know, it, they, they need some information, not only about Eli Manning over the final few games, they need some information about Kyle Loletta so that they know, you know, heading into the, into the off season, you know, what their need is and what they're looking for. Maybe this arrest gives them the information that they needed. I don't know, but I'm sure that, that as I said, all things being equal, they would like to get him on the field. Anyway, Giants fans, I think uh, that pretty much uh, is our show for today. Please remember to follow Big Blue View on Twitter Check our Instagram page at big underscore blue underscore view. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Also, please support the show that uh, that Dan Pizzuta and Chris Flum have been doing twice a week. They've been doing a great job going forward. They will doing post. They will be doing post game reviews. Their usual big blue review show. They will also be doing a once a week show geared toward the NFL draft. So please look for that. I know all of you draft nicks out there will appreciate that. And Chris and Dan, you know, the, the NFL draft and, and studying college players, that's right up their alley. That should be an outstanding show. We hope that you enjoy that. As we hope that you enjoyed uh, today's debut show of Valentine's Views here on Big Blue View Radio. Tune in later this week when we will have Oscar Aparicio of the Better Rivals podcast joining us as we discuss the upcoming Monday night game between the Giants and the San Francisco 49ers. All right, Giants fans, we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. 
Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Vergecast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic. 